from the rule of our Holy Father, St. Benedict, chapter the 14th, De Mensura Potus, of the measure of drink. Just as St. Benedict provides for the monk's daily measure of bread, so too does he provide for the monk's daily measure of wine. Everyone hath his proper gift from God, one after this manner, another after that. And therefore it is with some misgiving that we appoint the measure of other men's living. Yet, considering the infirmity of the weak, we think that one pint of wine a day is sufficient for each. But let those to whom God gives the endurance of abstinence know that they shall have their proper reward. If, however, the situation of the place, the work, or the heat of summer require more, let it be in the power of the superior to grant it, taking care in everything that serpent or drunkenness creep not in. And although we read that wine ought by no means to be the drink of monks, yet since in our times monks cannot be persuaded of this, let us at least agree not to drink to satiety but sparingly, because wine maketh even the wise to fall away. But where the necessity of the place alloweth, not even the aforesaid measure, but much less, or none at all, let those who dwell there bless God and not murmur. This, above all, we admonish, that there be no murmuring among them. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. There are a number of things in this chapter that merit consideration. The first sentence, everyone hath his proper gift from God. One after this manner, another after that. Of course, behind this sentence of St. Benedict, uh, one can discover the whole Pauline theology of the body of Christ and the diversity of gifts distributed among the members of the body of Christ. And then again, St. Benedict with, with humility says, and therefore it is with some misgiving that we appoint the measure of other men's living. This is characteristic of our father, St. Benedict. He's this reticence. And yet considering the infirmity of the weak, this runs like a golden thread through the whole rule. This pia consideratio. Consideration, kind-hearted consideration for the weak. And uh, the chapter concludes uh, really not uh, on the, the question of wine, but on something that St. Benedict considers uh, far more important. Let those who dwell there bless God and not murmur. God, who having been blessed, bless God in response 
those who bless God and not murmur. This above all we admonish, that there be no murmuring among them. Uh, murmuring and, and blessing are seen almost to be in, in opposite poles. The, the man who murmurs cannot bless God, the man who blesses God will necessarily abstain from murmuring. Um, St. Benedict uh, provides in chapter 39 for the monk's daily measure of bread and in chapter 40 for the monk's daily measure of wine. I think that the Eucharistic subtext here is not lost on us. He does this considering, as he does throughout the world, uh, the, 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 throughout the text of the rule, in consideration of the infirmity of the weak. The bread and wine of the monastic table point to the bread and wine placed upon the altar become the sacred body and precious blood of Christ. It has been argued that the Holy Rule, being culturally conditioned by its origin in the Mediterranean and Roman context, cannot be a reference everywhere. It is, however, precisely the Mediterranean Roman origins of the Holy Rule that make it so wonderfully consonant with sacred scripture and with the whole sacramental economy. Thou bringest bread out of the earth and wine to cheer the heart of man, that he may make the face cheerful with oil, and that bread may strengthen man's heart. It is, I think, a peculiarly northern European and Protestant prejudice that causes some to look askance at the bread and wine and oil of the monastic table. Although St. Benedict acknowledges that in the Verba Seniorum, sayings of the fathers, Abba Cayman considered wine a drink unfit for monks, he does not impose on his monks the abstemiousness found among the desert fathers. He says rather, let us at least agree not to drink to satiety, but sparingly, because wine maketh even the wise to fall away. The vice of drunkenness tends to prevail where wine is separated from the other elements of the traditional Mediterranean table. Water, bread, and oil. When a man begins to drink alone, apart from the liturgy of the common table, he risks falling into overindulgence. St. Benedict warns of this danger and rightly condemns excessive drinking. Now, the region of Round Monte Cassino, the Lazio, Campania are among the finest wine-producing regions of Europe. Wine is so much a part of the culture that it is found even on the tables of people of very modest means. St. Benedict's monks would have come, for the most part, from wine-producing families in which they drank of the fruit of the vine from childhood. I myself have memories of eating and drinking with my Italian nonni at a table set up in the shade of the great arbor in the back garden and of being given my first glass of diluted wine 
small boy. I think I was not two years old when I was introduced to the pleasures of the fruit of the vine. I think I was not yet two, perhaps 18 months. Uh, there's a photograph of me as, as a, a very small boy. Uh, I think 18, 20 months years old. And at, at, a, at, a, at a feast in the back garden under the grape rock. And I remember very well being given a little, a little glass of, of diluted wine. The Holy Patriarch of Monte Cassino understood the old Neapolitan proverb, Una tavola senza vino e una giornata senza sole. A table without wine is like a day without sunshine. And there is, I think, an echo of this proverb in Hilaire Belloc's famous quatrain, Wherever the Catholic sun doth shine, there's always laughter and good red wine. At least I've always found it so. Benedicamus Domino. <laughs> the quantity of wine that St. Benedict prescribes, a hemina, has been various variously translated and measured. The general consensus is half a flagon or a little less than a quart. It's understood that St. Benedict's monks would have added water to their wine, as was the general custom in antiquity. St. Benedict foresees that there will be monasteries and places where it will be difficult or impossible to procure wine for the daily table. When deprived of wine, or when it is in short supply, monks are not to murmur. They are to raise their voices in blessing giving thanks always for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God and the Father. <clears throat> I haven't been able to, to find it, but there's a marvelous essay written by a Benedictine nun of the Abbey of Perstella. Perstella, of course, is the abbey where John Udo Castle was chaplain and the abbey of Dame Emiliana Lohr. Um, many people have read commentary on uh, Holy Week and on the um, Masses uh, of the year. But the benediction of that happy wrote an essay on wine uh, tracing the whole patristic treatment of the question and uh, she, she, she assembled a number of texts, ancient texts liturgical texts, patristic texts that suggest, interestingly, that um, the tree in the Garden of Paradise was in fact uh, a vine. I had never encountered that before I read this essay, uh, that it was a vine. From this she, she drew out uh, a marvelous reflection on our Lord's words, I am the vine with the branches. Um, and she even brought in some iconographic evidence of the vine in the midst of the garden as an image of Christ. So I find that fascinating when one relates it to this chapter of the Holy Rule. Today is the Feast of St. Vincent de Paul who was, as you know, I think, a friend of Mother MacTilde.
homeless and was looking for a safe place uh, for her little flock, St. Vincent de Paul heard of their plight and sent one of his men into uh, Lorraine uh, to meet them on the road and to say, come to Paris, uh, providing them with, with, with funds for the journey and with men to accompany them for their safety. And when they arrived in Paris, St. Vincent de Paul was there to greet them. And um, the, you know the story, I'm sure, that Mother Mathilde appealed to the Lady Abbess of Montmartre for shelter, for refuge. And the Abbess of Montmartre refused and said, no, she was afraid that bringing strangers into her house would have a deleterious effect on the observance. So she would hear it. And Mother Mathilde made a pilgrimage to a local shrine of the Blessed Virgin Mary, Val Benoit, on the Meuse River, and spent the night there in prayer and received Holy Communion in the morning. The very night, the abbess of Montmartre had a dream in which Our Lady upbraided her for her cold-heartedness and want of hospitality. Next morning, the abbess called in her council and said, We have to receive these refugees from the Lorraine. If we don't, we, we shall surely incur the wrath of our blessed lady. And they were, of course, not until that very night was in pilgrimage to this Marian shrine. And so the next morning, St. Vincent de Paul arranged for them to come to Paris. And he greeted them, and looked after their immediate needs, and then conducted Mother Mathilde to Montmartre. So St. Vincent de Paul found a home for Mother Mathilde when she was homeless. And in 2011, on July 19th, um, I began a novena to St. Vincent de Paul asking him to find us a home. And here we are, six years later. St. Vincent de Paul made a good job of it, didn't he? <laughs> so we can thank St. Vincent de Paul for his intercession. Um, it's, it's my observation that holiness always comes uh, in clusters, rather like bunches of grapes. Holiness comes in clusters. And it's a beautiful thing to see the friendship that unites the saints in, in clusters. And certainly, St. Vincent de Paul, St. Louise, the disciple of St. Vincent de Paul, uh, Mother Mathilde, uh, St. Jean Eude was also a part of this circle of friends, as was Monsieur de Bernier, um, and, and so many others of that great century. So today I, I, I invite you, I did write a prayer, a supplica to St. Vincent de Paul, and if I remember, we'll, we'll say it after Compline tonight, to, to remember and to honor the role of St. Vincent de Paul in our coming year.